Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today is episode... 71, 71 straight weeks, uh, we're on our way to 100, and today I'm real excited about having Derek Norman on, the founder of Humblebee, on the show. We got a lot we're going to get into uh, here in a second. Uh, looks like it's uh, just me today, but uh, Derek and I, we could probably talk for hours, so that's not going to be a problem. It's <laughs> great information. Um, first, I wanted to um, give a, um, just a, a little tribute, a little memory to my friend that passed uh, this past uh, week, um, Michael Slice Sutton. Um, I met uh, Slice when he's about 12 years old. He's my now brother-in-law, he's his best friend. And um, for all of you know my story with the Alchemist 7, Slice was the Alchemist 8. Um, there wasn't much investigating that went on. It was, you know, we had an LLC that said what we were doing. Um, and he, he didn't get caught, and, um, but early on in the marijuana history in Michigan, Slice was a, a big, big part of it, 2010. I won't get into all the, the hijinks and things that he did for us, but uh, just an incredible guy, um, you know, and then ended up being, um, finishing school for engineering, and he was a savant at that. He, uh, it's always funny, he's working on like high-tech, military like super top secret stuff and uh he'd always call and ask me if i he should admit that uh because his name was in the investigation but it never never made it through to any of those background checks so it was always funny i'd always get a call and freaking out about it and i'm like oh man just don't tell them they won't know so uh real 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 sad great guy it's always uh rough when somebody's uh living up to their potential um so slice we're gonna miss you and with that um appreciate uh um, an opportunity to remember Mike. But with that, I wanted to get in and introduce um, my buddy uh, Derek Norman, founder of Humblebee. And um, Derek's been around caregiving since the beginning of the, the MMA, uh, one of the brands that made it over quickly. Um, I mean, right away from from the into the regulated market. And um, I was up in uh, with uh, I was opting in ordinances. Uh, I was up in Frederick Township and working with them and I ended up uh, running into Derek's parents and over in our friend Shelly's office and really nice people and they were seeing what they had going on and uh, you know it was cool to see uh, what that became and it ended up being right there in Frederick, Michigan. Humblebee Provisioning Center, one of the first in the state. Um, great redemption supporter. Um, uh, we're going to have actually a, a vendor they up there Saturday really excited about um, and then also Humblebee Processing which for, for my money, there's uh, not really uh, too many craft, um, you know, mom and pop, but high-end quality uh, brands for processing out there. A lot of them just didn't go that way and they're chasing dollars and for whatever reasons, a lot of, a lot of other ones, but Humblebee's been there from the beginning. We've got some cool stuff to announce, but with that, I wanted to uh, go ahead and say thanks for being on the show, Derek. And why don't you start off just kind of giving us your background, kind of where you grew up when you got into to marijuana and how um, you made it to, to where you are now with Humblebee. Sure. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on, Ryan. I appreciate it. You know, over here at Humblebee, sure. we're huge supporters of the Redemption brand. 
And, uh, you know, we got some more diamonds coming out, I know, soon, too, under the collaboration packaging. So that's yes, awesome. can't wait. But uh, as far as my background, uh, I got back into medical marijuana probably around 2006. Well, at that point, it wasn't medical, it was just marijuana. <laughs> uh, so I grew up in Michigan. I lived here until the age of 11. Then I moved out to Arizona and lived most of my adult life out there. Uh, back around probably 2000, late 2007, early 2008, I heard that they were going to be doing a medical marijuana program back out here. Um, at that point, I actually had dropped out of college. I had some medical issues that made me lose um, the last semester there. Basically, college wasn't for me anyways. I was kind of just sticking around and, and doing the motions. Um, so long story short, I still had a bunch of family here. I had my brothers, I had my sisters. And uh, I said, screw it, let's move back to Michigan. So I came back here in probably early 2008. I know I was one of the first few hundred uh, patients. Right after I got my patient registry card, I applied to be a caregiver. I think within that first year, I had five patients signed up. So from there, I was trying to get my feet in the industry. Obviously, I didn't really know anyone out here. So I opened the first uh, marijuana business in Oakland County, which was called the Medical Marijuana Academy. So that was a three-day course, and we taught caregivers and people interested in becoming caregivers um, how to operate in the market. I had a doctor, an attorney, and then a professional botanist that all taught the class. Like I said, it was a weekend long course. And we basically just taught people how to grow properly and be compliant. We actually had a live grow room at the facility so people could actually see the plants and have hands-on experience. That lasted probably a little under two years. Um, like I said, I was training all these people to become caregivers. And I realized, you know, I might as well just take the plunge myself and just do this full time. So I ended up operating out of that same building and starting to grow 72 plants. Nice. So how did, uh, when did you get into processing? Uh, and when did that, I mean, I guess, uh, tell me what you want. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, like maybe it was right after the, we were allowed to have concentrates, but no, I mean. Yeah, um, it was right after, it was right after we were allowed to have concentrates. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, the funny and, thing is, is I actually grew most of my adult life. I didn't really get into processing right away. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a buddy of mine who was a caregiver also, you know, he had five patients and he did a lot of the processing at the time. He's actually about to enter the license market here shortly, which is exciting. But uh, he was always the processor. I was always the grower. Um, and, you know, eventually he just started showing me more and more about the systems, the extraction process, and I just fell in love. Um, I really like the processing because where it's growing, if you want to make a change, it typically takes several months at least to see the change that you're making in the plants. Whereas processing, you can make a change and the next day you can see the results. So it's pretty rewarding. Um, it's constantly on the edge. There's always things changing. There's always new products coming out, new methods, new extraction techniques. So it's, I really enjoy what I do. You know, it's, it's awesome. It's fascinating. It is. Uh, so, so how'd you end up in Frederick? So that's kind of a funny story. I never had heard of Frederick before I moved here. I always lived uh, downstate in Oakland County. That's where I grew and everything else. Um, Basically, when it came time to get licensed, you know, the caregiver thing was kind of phasing out. Um, there's a lot of anxiety being a caregiver, especially if you're growing 72 plants. There's always worries about obvious, obvious things. I won't really get into that, but you know, there's always concerns and uh, it starts to eat at you after a while, at least the way I was doing it. So we looked at getting licensed back then. There wasn't many places that actually had adopted the MMFLA. So we were originally looking at Ann Arbor or Traverse City, both of which cities took forever to actually adopt an ordinance and license people. So at that time, Frederick was one of the few people that was actually licensing. And there happened to be a freestanding building here too that was for sale. So me and my mother came up to Frederick. We met with Shelly, who's the township supervisor. 
Um, same day, I met with the owner of the building, and I think a week later, a week later, closed on this building. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever told you that, but like I initially, like like I said, I helped uh, helped with the ordinance, and I called on that building. And this guy answers the phone. It was probably before you talked to him. Maybe it was after. And he's just like, if this is anything new to marijuana, I'm not interested. And I was like, it's got something to do with marijuana. And he's like, all right. <laughs> so I was like, all right, screw that guy. And I helped uh, some guys get a couple others. And then I saw, I was like, hey, that guy sold in a marijuana spot. And uh, yep. so good on good on you. It was definitely the best the best spot for there. And, uh, you know, I it's it's a cool area. I know that the store... Uh, is doing it does does pretty well um people might think it's the middle of nowhere and all that but like all the snowmobiling the 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 lakes um just just a ton of people right off the highway and you know i know it's been good for frederick as well uh i'm so i'm I'm really happy happy that you guys are there driven grow and driven processing is there and you know that's uh the old Frederick ends by getting a lot more business so uh... a little bit yeah, yeah so um, uh, the big thing, big announcement, we've been talking about it um, a little bit on social media now, and it's the uh, Canosaur project, the NFT, that uh, that you are, you know, you, uh, you came to me and graciously asked if uh, the Redemption Foundation, and then also we include the Last Prisoner Project, um, would be involved, it'd be a great way to, to give back, and uh, we're doing a lot of got a lot of initiatives going right now at the foundation so thank you for thinking of us but why don't you just uh why don't you explain it to to us like we're 10 years old okay so obviously (laughs) everyone has different you know levels of understanding when it comes to crypto uh cryptocurrency is bitcoin ethereum are the two major ones most people know about uh by this time though most people have heard about bitcoin so i'll just kind of default to that um essentially though what it is is it's a way of doing transactions and keeping information that is held on the blockchain. Now what the blockchain is, is essentially a series of computers and programs that keeps track of all this information. So it's not digitally stored in any one place. It's kept across the entire network, meaning that the whole thing is transparent. Um, You know, no one can really hack it. Bitcoin has never been hacked since it started, which is quite the accomplishment. Uh, But yeah, it's run on a bunch of different computers. So everyone's basically held accountable and knows what transactions are occurring, what prices are happening, uh, so on and so forth. So an NFT is a non-fungible token, so meaning it can't be touched. It exists on the blockchain, so it exists in the digital universe. And it could either be an image, it could be a concert ticket. There's many ways that an NFT uh, could be. But in this case, it's a cannabis-related dinosaur and people collect them and or buy them. Now, what's different than actually you know, just taking a, a snapshot of this and posting it on your computer is that you actually have the rights to own this image. So on the blockchain and on a computer, there will be a digital address that shows you own this image. So you can always resell it. You can trade it. Um, a lot of these end up actually going up in value. There was a project that came out back on April. A lot of people have heard of this one if you're into cryptocurrency, which was called the Board Ape Yacht Club. Those originally came out for about $230. The cheapest one now is over $200,000. So it's interesting. It's brand new, right? I know that there's some breeders and people that do genetics actually starting to release strains on the blockchain. So you would verifiably own that strain. It's proven you're the only one that owns it. Then you can sell it and transfer it to someone else. It transfers on the blockchain and now that person owns it. So it's a way to prove that you own something digitally. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So tell us about uh, when when we're launching and what what people can do to as far as uh, purchase. 
Sure. So the project is going to launch on November 30th. There's 4,420 images. Uh, they're all unique. There's also going to be 10 one of one canosaurs, so cannabis dinosaurs. Uh, for a few of those, we have like Cheech and Chong that look like dinosaurs. It's pretty cool, uh, pretty cool yeah. images as far as that goes. Our website, which you can see here at the bottom, is canosaur420.com. We also have a Discord channel and a Twitter as well, which are both uh, available on that website. There's a link on the top of the header. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting project, though. I think a lot of things are going to start to move towards digital and towards blockchain, like concert tickets, uh, restaurant reservations, so on and so forth. Recently, actually, this morning, a major cryptocurrency project just purchased one of the NFL stadiums as well. I saw that. Yeah, there's a lot happening. Nike uh, last week is saying that they're going to get into it and operate in like a digital metaverse. So I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Ready Player One. Yeah. But basically people live more uh, virtually than they actually do in real life. And I hate to say this, but I think that's actually a possibility here in the next 10 years. So yes. when that occurs or if it occurs, a lot of these digital projects, you know, that's going to be like your avatar, so to speak, in an online world. You can use it as your avatar. Yeah, so a lot wild. of these things, that's yeah, wild. a lot of these things are taken off quickly. Um, even some of them that you own actually provide rewards. So there's certain images that you can own and they give you a percentage of a cryptocurrency every single day that you own this image. Um, in our case, what we're doing is mostly to give back to different nonprofits and charities. So in this case, the Redemption Foundation and the Last Prisoner Project, uh, which a percent of our proceeds are going to be going to both of those as well as a resale value. And the whole point of doing this is really to build up uh, an online company and then keep pushing this forward and keep doing uh, give backs to nonprofits and different charities, you know, through the sales of these images. Yeah, that's great. Um, tell us, uh, as far as the artist, uh, I love the artwork. I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely <laughs> going to be, be, uh, be, be grabbing some, uh, how did, how did you meet, uh, the artist and, uh, what's their experience? So the artist is super talented uh, because of the industries that he's in and how well known he is. He actually has to remain silent because he's worried that it could, with the cannabis relation, hurt maybe some of the jobs that he's working on. Uh, he's a really famous artist, so I actually just reached out to him on Instagram. I reached out to about five different artists. Um, he was the only one that responded, which I liked his art the best, so it worked out pretty well. <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes you just have to take your shot, right? You know, you never know what someone's going to say. So I reached out to him. I sent him a few messages. A week later, we were on the phone. And now it's probably three months later, you know, we talk almost every single day. Uh, he's pumped out 4,420 images, so he's been quite busy. Uh, he's a phenomenal artist, though. I can't wait to drop the rest of the images and really show what people what the project is about. We're also going to have a, a bi-yearly newsletter, too, detailing where the money's gone, what people it's helped, and how we're going to keep helping those two foundations. That's uh, that's incredible. Like, I'm glad you're talking about that. And I've been doing a lot the last couple of weeks with... Uh, with with the Redemption Foundation and also the Great Lakes Expungement Network, um, you know, I'm I'm the president of that. We got our 501c3 as well, and with a couple organizations, and and that's what is uh, you know this money will go to helping all that. But um, I'm glad you're focused on it. I'm I'm about to put all my focus back into this full uh, full time. Besides the brand, and uh, I'm I'm think this is just wonderful timing. So. Um, people listening, uh, you know, you definitely, uh, we're going to keep talking about this launch on November 30th, but then also, um, get ready to hear a lot more about the work that's been done and what's going to be done. We had an incredible year and we helped a lot of people. So, uh, but that's, uh, we'll talk about that more even, uh, with the show. 
Um, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to uh, bring up because uh, you know you're you're uh, you got a perspective of being a caregiving patient right at the beginning, uh, and that kind of I like that perspective. That's mine as well. You understand the ups and downs and what we've all been through. Um, but, uh, you know, a topic is right now, and uh, I know you're following, is the, uh, the new bills that were introduced by the MCMA and then, you know, the other companies that got all those lobbyists up there, whether it be Terrapin and, um, you know, uh, I, I don't want to start naming them all, but there's a lot. Just be honest, so. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them now. Yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts on that as far as you, you being there and uh, your position as a, as a kind of a mom and pop uh, processor and provisioning center? Uh, and what, uh, what are your thoughts on that? To me, it's kind of just absurd that they're trying to take away the rights of the caregivers. I mean, this whole entire program was built on the backs of those people. Uh, this would not be here today if it wasn't for that. I feel like now you have a lot of people out of state, um, even some people from Michigan, which I think some of these people were even caregivers when they were earlier in their career that are just trying to push them out. Um, to me, volume should speak or quality should speak everything. If you have a quality product, you should be able to do whatever you want with it. Um, I do believe it should pass testing, but once it passes testing, whatever's done with it, I don't think should concern anyone. You have these big, big brands here in Michigan and from out of state that are just simply trying to push these people out. I think if they produced a quality product, had nice packaging, um, that they would do well themselves. So to me, it's kind of ridiculous that they're putting all this time and effort to try to push out the small guys. Um, as I said, you know, I started as a caregiver. Almost everyone that worked here at Humblebee was a caregiver at some point. Uh, you know, this whole thing, I, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the caregiver program. I can say that with confidence. So the fact that they're trying to push these people out really, you know, rubs me wrong. Yeah, it's, I, I agree with all that, Derek. And, you know, it's, it comes down to the point that they're, you know, I, I'm. We hear what's going on, and some of these these bigger companies are are for sale and have been for sale, but nobody's biting on them because, you know, they valued themselves super high, and they they need they need the care. You know, a lot of market forces that aren't free market to happen, um, artificial controls which they're trying in order for them to to make that sale, and they're getting told by you know the big, the big the big boys that are want to come in and you see them starting the the collaborate the mergers and acquisitions and the and the buy-ups that they're not going to buy their companies until this happens so um i think that's why it's just a relentless you know relentless march on that and um that's why you know like uh, a lot of the people that uh, as you know that that redemption works with is you know all caregiver we're caregivers a lot of yep. them, you know, have bootstrapped it, paid for things with the money that they've made and didn't didn't uh, take out a bunch of debt. I mean, you I know how 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 much you work. <laughs> Hopefully you're getting a little bit you're working a little <laughs> less from the last, you know, when we talked oh, about a month ago. Been. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, I mean, what what would you cost for a company starting off with your knowledge? And, you know, you're doing all that and, and you're in there and you're controlling it. You know, I watch like a Tom Beller or Drew Driver and. You know Kevin mm -hmm. and all these guys that are that are doing the work and these big companies paid for CFOs and CEOs and all that stuff and then it makes your cost per gram go up. So oh yeah, Michigan, well, yeah. You know if you're a caregiver, I mean, the only you know hurdle I guess to getting into the license market is yourself, right? It's it's not easy. You know, it's not just easy money. It's not just quick money, and you better be prepared to work 12 to 18 hours a day. For at least the first year, at least. I don't think I took a day off for the first yeah. entire year I worked here. 
seven days a week. <laughs> you know, my day off was like a three hour stretch and I was very happy to have that. But you know, nothing's easy in life. Um, you know, if you want it hard enough, you gotta just give everything you can and just be relentless and nonstop grind. Talk to people, yeah. talk to people in the industry and just try to find your path or your way and, and do what interests you. You know, if you follow your interests and you're dedicated, you will make it. Yeah, I agree. Basically, just never, you never, never given up. Uh, um, I do think that as well, uh, that where there's a will, there's a way in Michigan. Uh, you might not own it, be able to finance everything, but you know, I, you know, you can go out and find a property. You can have a skill set. There, there's a need for for skilled people. The uh, labor market in Michigan on marijuana. If you're good at, if you've got a really good retail employee or really, really good anything right now, you can yeah. just shoot to the top. It's pretty, pretty fun to see. Seeing a lot of, uh, you know, and that, and that all comes from the market that we have. The, the, the reason that I'm allowed to be in it, the reason you're allowed to be in it. If it was just like in Illinois or Ohio, you're not going to see any of these innovations happening. There's no competition even in, at that level. So. No. Um, yeah, I don't think, I, speaking of that, from what it sounds like, they don't, they don't have the votes and lenders coming back and maybe negotiating, but anything's possible. Um, yeah. And the other point is, is even if this doesn't happen this time, they're not going to stop. They're all, they're all yeah. in. They're all in at the table, and this is part of the thing that they need. So um, I guess uh, we'll continue to, to watch that and uh, see how it plays out. But if, since you've been around for over a decade, you know that this is just part of it. it happened in ten, happened eleven, oh, yeah. twelve. Yep. So it's just, you know, it's it's uh, it's always going to be there. Um, what's going on as far as what are you seeing with Croptober? Because you have an interesting um, oh, man, it's been point wild. of view. Yeah, you have an interesting <laughs> point of view. You understand from the grower side because you're buying, um, or you know whatever your deal is uh, that you have. But you're you're talking sure. to the growers and 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 doing contracts. But then you're also I'm running a retail and I know it's happened last year. People panicked. There's a lot of companies that are running paycheck to paycheck or even having to have owners cut checks to cover payroll because of that. The growers I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So there's some desperate growers out there. And um, so just what are you seeing and compared to last year? I know, but retail, we just had a great October, 166 million. So we didn't have the dip like last year. So what do you think? Yeah, I think I think in retail, you don't see much of a dip, I think, um, you know, unfortunately, so when we get discounts on products, we always pass it along. We have really cheap prices comparatively to the area and actually the state. I don't think a lot of retail places do that. I think they just increase their margins. Uh, so that's a little bit unfortunate, but you know, this year is definitely at least 10 times crazier than last year. And I foresee next year even being more so. Everyone I've talked to that's a farmer, this is like small compared to them. They're going to be 10 times and 20 times in their operation by next year. Uh, which to me is just wild because, you know, I get multiple phone calls every single day or text messages. Hey, are you processing frozen? Do you want to buy any biomass? Do you want any material? Or do you need, you know, weed? The prices on weed have dropped at least 100, you know, 50% at least in the last two months. Um, but with that said, everyone knows it's coming, right? It's a certain time of every single year and you got to be prepared for it. I mean, if you have all your eggs in one basket, it's kind of difficult to operate. Um, and with that said, I do unfortunately foresee some people going out of business this year. I know it's tight for a lot of people and, and there's so much product just sitting everywhere that it's kind of hard for people to move it, you know, and they have bills to pay and they have licensing fees. So it's definitely a difficult time of the year. Um, as far as being a processor, it's a good time for me to take advantage of it. Yeah. A lot of people have a lot of product. I can kind of sift through everything, see what's going to produce the best, see what's going to extract the best, what has the best chirping profile, 
uh, cannabinoid content and kind of go from there. So for me, it's kind of exciting because also I can set up things with farmers and say, well, hey, you know, we did that this year. Say, hey, I want these strains grown. I want them grown this way. I want them harvested at this time. So it's cool from my point of view because it gives us a lot more control over the crops and a lot of people are willing to grow them the way that we need for quality. Yeah, they need an outlet and, and you're uh, a great outlet. What's it like uh, with your, your concentrate brand during Croptober? Uh, we have a lot more volume. <laughs> you know, we just lowered our prices as well. Um, I think everyone's prices are lowered. But there's, you know, some live resin, I think, wholesale even going for like $12 a gram now. Which me, obviously, yeah. I know what goes into it. I don't know if that's, that's just that's color remediated. Yeah, it's got to be CRC, right. though. And it might be people just extracting dry material and calling it live resin. I know there's groups that do that as well, unfortunately. Um, yeah. You know, you, you pay for what you get, right? You got to pay for quality. Is it going to be 300% more? No, it's definitely going to be more, but you know you're getting a product. That is not only medicinal benefit, but it's also a full spectrum and it has a nice chirping profile. A lot of these extractors that do the color remediation or CRC, you're actually stripping a lot of the terpenes out of the product too. Yeah. So you're making an inferior product, you're taking more time to make it. Um, you can sell it cheaper because you can extract warmer. We extract super cold, which makes a nicer product as well, a lighter color, no fats, lipids. Um, but a lot of these people, it's just a volume game, right? And I think those people are starting to run into trouble. Um, a lot of people are just in it for volume. They don't really care about the quality and they're just pumping out as much as they possibly can. And, and you know, there's a point where that just stops and people aren't gonna buy it anymore. And you're gonna move some, but you're not gonna be in it for the long haul in my point, you know, in, in my opinion. So like my buddy always says, you know, this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. I love yeah. that, you know, and I think it's very accurate. So you gotta constantly be innovating, <laughs> releasing new products, coming up with new methods. Um, we're actually about to launch you know, something I'll share on here. We're going to be launching medicated lemonades in the spring. So we'll be one of the first groups to actually get it to market. I think there's one drink out there right now. Um, so we might be the second or third. But in any case, you know, you just got to keep pushing forward and come up with new ideas and, and new products that people aren't necessarily focusing on. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Staying staying at the tip of the spear because like the minute you, you took a month off. <laughs> Oh, it's crazy, it's crazy yeah, how I'm far off in this business is like a year <laughs> yeah that's why it changed so quickly i i was out of commission for a while and then couldn't be back in it with you know strict probation and uh i i'm not back yet but i'm getting there on a lot of stuff i feel like i've learned so much in the last year and a half on the cannabis and then you probably have and, a lot then you probably have a lot of catching up to do i'm sure as well i mean you know you miss a few days and it's like two weeks like you have a million phone calls and emails and yeah it is it it is so um you know i'm i'm happy uh this is the the second croptober and i i think it's we're gonna go through it probably a little faster this year based on sales and some other things but there's also people paying uh taxes and yep. and other people trying to liquidate at the year end and you know all that stuff and that's new for, and uh audits for some people will be the first time this year so there's there's a lot of <laughs> A lot of a lot of that, but I'm I'm thankful for this year. You know, as far as there's two, there seems to be two types of uh, of companies out there, whether it be flour or concentrates. It's a, mm -hmm. a commodity or it's a brand, and uh, you know exactly. we both we both have had brands. Stores like yours continue continue to order and um and and sell it sell through. Um, so customers are getting it, and I appreciate that. So that's been that's been that. But then for the companies out there that are just selling always on price and and that's it um you know they've gone from two thousand a pound in the summer down to eight nine seven hundred a pound it's pretty wild 
Um, yeah, you know, and it, there's a certain point where you're operating on such little margin where you're covering your costs. Um, right. And a lot of that comes down to quality. People reduce the quality because it's cheaper to produce in mass than it is a quality product. So now you have crappier product coming out. And of course, it's cheaper and there's a market for it. But that's just not, you know, that's not the path we want to take. It never was. We always think if you make a quality product, you know, the rest comes later. So we literally just always focus on quality. And I can't tell you how many grams of live resin I've literally not thrown away but been like this is disparate we're not releasing this in our package and it's happened a lot and it's it's crappy but i think you have to make those type of decisions make an everlasting brand and something that people trust for quality you know people spend a lot of money on this stuff it's not just like a few dollars um so you want to make sure when they go home they're happy with what they got and they want to come back you know and here at humblebee that's what we're all about is the quality and that's why we partner with good growers that's why we love supporting your brand the mission you stand for um when the whole mcma thing started we stopped carrying all those brands in our dispensary and it wasn't easy because a lot of the patients, they're not on Instagram. They're not, you know, privy to all this stuff that's going on. And I can't tell you still how many times a week people ask for Wana gummies, like yeah. all the time. It's like, I'm sorry, we don't support them. You know, if, if they were still, if they had their way, I would never have been here in the first place. Yeah, no, and, and we got to protect Michigan at all costs. I know we, we talk a lot about um, them coming after the caregivers, but they're also coming off after the smaller smaller oh, yeah. businesses whether it be with uh you know as far as the upgrades on uh gnp standards and and just whatever there's they're 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 always looking for um an angle to to screw with us but um yeah we want to uh, michigan uh we just like we we mentioned october 166 million in sales we're um, a lot of people predicted uh, last year in October it dipped, uh, retail dipped almost 35, 40%. A lot of that had to do with a, a great outdoor season for people um, were smoking for free. Um, but, you know, um, it didn't happen this year based on based on weather. It was rough. And then so many people traveling traveling to Michigan were, were thankful, extremely thankful that the other, the rest of the Midwest is, is, is way behind Michigan and cannabis laws. And, uh, if they do have the law, they tax you to death or, uh, you know, make it a, a kind of a, a mono, monolithic type deal where they're not concentrating on quality, but exactly. no, yeah, no, I was like, uh, great talk with you today to Derek. Uh, uh we'll have you back on and, um, update af after the launch and, and talk about whatever, everything that's going on and, and talk about foundation stuff. But um, anything you want anything you want to say uh, to the industry out there or uh, in general uh, just we love you guys thank you for supporting us you know we're here to be in the long run um, anyone that ever wants to collaborate or get into this industry just give me a shout on Instagram you know I don't mind talking to people and trying to help them through the process I know there's a lot of red tape I've already been through it all so if you're a caregiver looking to break into the industry feel free to shoot me a message um, and I'll try to help you as much as you can and then also just to touch on the Canisur thing again, anyone looking to purchase one of these, again, November 30th, it goes live. You have to buy it with cryptocurrency, Ethereum. There's a little bit of hoops to jump through. Um, all the steps are listed on the website though. And again, if you have any further questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, Discord, or the Humblebee Instagram, and I'd feel free to answer any of your questions and help you. All right, awesome. Can't wait for the launch, and uh, right. hopefully we're doing, doing, doing a lot more of these. Um, yes. Definitely uh, feels like the future. What a year in Michigan. Uh, oh, Canada, is. This, is, uh, is, this is all on the ground floor, right? This whole NFT thing, the digital universe, everything. It's really ground floor. Um, eventually, it is going to be the future. I mean, we're already getting there, but I think five to ten years, you know, everyone's going to know what these are and, and probably own one. So 
kind of a wild time yeah. to live in. It's like the internet's starting again. Yeah, it feels like the the world's just speeding up, speeding up, speeding up. So oh yeah, Not <laughs> enjoy the ride. That's that's what I say. I want to live a long time. Oh, I want yeah. to see what see what happens here. But uh, now, nah, once right. again, appreciate it, uh, Derek. Uh, love you having it on the show, and just another uh, great example of uh, of uh, operators in Michigan. Um, the, uh, the reason we're doing a little bit different here and. Uh, um, the reason our market, I believe, is so strong. Glad to have uh, Derek in it. And uh, with that, we're going to see everyone next week. Thanks, brother. Take care. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Have a great day. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.